Today's topic is an emotionally heavy one. Sometimes there isn't a cure, and that can be a tough pill to swallow. With more than two million children affected by one or both parents' incarceration, it's important to bring this issue to light. Having a parent in prison can certainly impact a child's mental health. The inconsistencies in family life, coupled with the stigma that children face having a parent in prison, often leads to emotional trauma, and children need support to deal with these circumstances. Children who have an incarcerated parent may experience financial hardship that results from the loss of that parent's income. Further compounding trauma for the child is loss of parental rights if the child requires state support or enters the foster care system. The trauma doesn't end there. Some children may have witnessed their parents' crimes or their arrest. They also may have had experience witnessing violence in their communities or directly in their household or exposure to drug and alcohol abuse. We're here to learn more about how to understand what children of incarcerated parents are experiencing and how they can be supported with Dr. Marge Passioni, Director of Clinical Innovation, who specializes in trauma-informed care at Bradley Hospital. This is MindCast, Healthy Mind, Healthy Child, a podcast from the mental health experts at Bradley Hospital, leaders in mental health care for children. I'm Dr. Ann Walters with my colleague, Dr. Gregory Fritz. So welcome, Marge. We're really fortunate to have you today as the guest on the podcast, and we're interested in digging into this topic. Of course, children experience trauma of all different kinds, but this one is especially intricate. As Anne mentioned, in many cases, parents in prison frequently had violence, drugs, inconsistent relationships, and chaos in their lives, and therefore in their children's lives, before the eventual arrest that led to their incarceration. Families of incarcerated individuals have been referred to as the hidden victims, in contrast to the direct victims of crime, because so little attention has been paid to their struggles. So to get us started, could you just talk to us about some of the trauma that these kids face? Sure thing. Ann and Greg, it's great to see you both, and thank you for inviting me to spend some time focusing on this special group of kids who are often forgotten. So the number of adults in our state and federal prisons and local jails is right now about 1.8 million. The majority of those behind bars are black and Hispanic and are incarcerated for nonviolent offenses. I don't think we have to spend a lot of time talking about mass incarceration in our country. There is an awful lot written about that, and there's been a lot of discussion But to what extent, if any, our country is served by the imprisonment of so many is unclear. What is uncontested, however, is that millions of our kids are suffering the consequences of their parents' incarceration. As Ann mentioned earlier, an estimated 2.7 million, or 1 in 28 children under the age of 18, have a biological mom or dad who is incarcerated. Many more minors have a parent who has recently been released from the correctional system. Think about that. One in 14 kids will have a parent incarcerated before they're 18 years of age. Marge, that's a pretty sobering number. Can you tell us more about what we know about these kids? Uh, Sure thing. Although information about these kids has been slow in coming, we're learning more and more. So parental incarceration, when you look at a definition, involves the removal of an adult from the child's household 
or daily routine, this disruption of the parent-child relationship is painful and it's traumatic and may be accompanied by other corresponding traumatic experiences, such as witnessing the arrest of the parent, financial hardship, residential instability. These kids often move from place to place and school disruption. So if we take this from about 50,000 feet, there are two main issues that come together for these kids. One is the parental problems such as mental illness, substance use, financial stress, or domestic violence that predate and may have contributed to the incarceration. And coming together, the other theme, problems such as stigma, shame, grief, school disruption, parental repartnering, food insecurity, homelessness, and change in financial status introduced as a result of the parental absence. So it becomes a pretty complicated set of circumstances. So what types of behaviors are prevalent in these kids when one or both parents are incarcerated in prison somewhere? Okay, so let's talk about these kids and school as kids spend a large chunk of their day at school. A universal issue that is, once the parent is incarcerated, they're no longer involved with the school. So this absence often leads to lowered teacher expectations, stigmatization by educators and peers, and increased special education placements. And once on that path, school absence, low achievement scores, grade retention, in and out of school suspensions, and sometimes even school expulsion may follow. And so more generally, behavioral problems such as the kids are withdrawn, they may be depressed, uh, maybe some anxiety, attention deficit, which is often trauma that is perceived as attention deficit, reduced impulse control, and increased violence toward themselves, and sometimes others are common. And in talking with kids about their parents' incarceration, what kinds of issues do you hear them bring up? So kids will talk about the stigma that they feel. There is a widely cited research study that concluded that kids of incarcerated parents are highly likely to be incarcerated themselves as adults. As this was one of the few research studies that was available on these kids, it was very, very widely distributed. In fact, there is no evidence to support this claim. It was just a poorly designed research study. But kids feel judged by adults in authority as well as peers. And often kids will say things like, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry that all this happened, and I'm tired of people feeling sorry for me. That just doesn't feel good. Another issue that comes up is what we call parental role reversal. So think about that. The child is at home. The parent is incarcerated. And the child at home often winds up picking up some of the roles of the parent. For example, they're parenting siblings or they're taking care of grandma as the parent did prior to the incarceration. So there's a lot of that parental role reversal that takes place. Another issue is, you know that term, I think there's a phrase that says something like, kids born to the same parents are rarely raised in the same household. You get that kind of situation happening here where One kid has a really strong relationship with a parent, and then next thing you know, the parent is gone, and then the younger sibling is just angry. They don't have the connection with the parent that the older sibling might have. So there becomes some tension between the kids relative to each kid's relationship with the parent. 
it gets kind of thorny. So you've got tons of experience with trauma-informed care, and it seems like no place would that be more relevant than with this group of kids. Talk to us about that, if you would. Sure thing. So there is a concept called uh, trauma-informed care, and essentially it's a shift in thinking that has resulted in understanding the outcome of folks who have histories of trauma. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, usually referred to as SAMHSA, has defined some of the components of a trauma-informed organization. It could be a primary care practice, it could be a school, it could be a community. And some of the components are that the organization realizes the universal impact of trauma so that everyone in the organization has some background and education around trauma, that folks are familiar and recognize the signs and symptoms of trauma, and that they're able to integrate that knowledge into policies and procedures for the organization. And lastly, which probably should be uh, right at the top of the list, is that the organization seeks actively to resist re-traumatization. So a goal becomes, oh my gosh, whatever you do, don't re-traumatize these kids. So once folks are armed with education around trauma, they begin to see these kids a little bit differently. So if a kid is acting up at school, for example, rather than, gee, that kid is kind of a jerk or that kid's a bad seed, once we understand the effects of trauma on behavior, we might say, hey, maybe that kid has some trauma in their background which allows us to see the kid in a much more empathic and kinder light, kinder gentler way of viewing the world. I know, Marge, that you've had so many venues in which you've looked at how trauma-informed care can result in improved outcomes in the way that we talk to and care for children. Can you think of how this might apply to the children that you're talking about, for instance, in school or in other environments in their life where those kinds of modifications in the way that people see them are going to be helpful? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think that what trauma-informed care does is allows us to become aware, aware of the impact of the trauma on all of the different functioning aspects of that child's life. And so social stigmatization by authority figures as well as peers can be crippling. And once we folks begin to see the trauma and its effects, it allows us to see past some of the behaviors that these kids are presenting and to see the kid as a kid. And once the attention is drawn to the circumstances and vulnerabilities of these kids, adults can factor this in to the way they interact with these kids. An empathic, no-fault environment is vital to helping these kids move to a better place. So a lot of parents and I think professionals are also concerned with how do you bring these issues up to the child? How do you talk to the child about issues pertaining to their parent being in jail? What advice do you have for all of us in that regard? Oh, yeah. This is a question, uh, Greg, that comes up with so many adults who remain at home with these kids. So although it may be a difficult conversation, this is one of those deals where honesty is the best policy. We often hear, gee, dad's on vacation or dad's working out of state. And that's just not going to cut it in this particular case. So provide direct age-appropriate information to the kid. For the really young kids, 
Sesame Street has a great video series out called Little Children, Big Challenges, Incarceration. Great videos, and they can be so helpful to listen to the videos and then also experience them with the child. It's really, really helpful. Another issue that comes up with these kids is to visit or not to visit. So the parents are at home and they're faced with that question. Should the kids visit the prison or the jail? Should they visit the parents? And you can immediately see how wrought that is with issues. And that's one of those situations where it's so individual. It depends on what the relationship that the child had with the parents. Does the child want to go to the prison? How comfortable would that experience be? And how child-friendly is the prison? And there's a lot of variability in terms of how welcoming they are to kids and families. So it's a big decision. That's a tough one. My niece, when she was an undergrad at William & Mary, did some work in Richmond in a program called Milk and Cookies, which in particular school systems in Richmond identified children who had parents who had been incarcerated and brought them together to do groups in the schools that were really designed to get the kids to talk about their experience. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, that's awesome. So it's so important for kids not to feel alone, that they're not the only ones that are left in this situation especially with the incredible stigmatization that they're experiencing, the opportunity for kids to talk about missing the parent, especially around significant events, graduations, weddings, is so, so incredibly important. And just to be able to share that with other kids that are in similar situations is incredibly helpful. And would really reduce that feeling of isolation, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. Marge, thank you. This was fascinating and also heartbreaking. Really appreciate the time you took in talking with us today. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out our entire podcast library at bradleyhospital.org forward slash podcast for topics of interest to you. This is Mindcast, Healthy Mind, Healthy Child, a podcast from the experts at Bradley Hospital.